Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. Welcome back, everybody. It's your host, Joshua. And we are just two weeks away from the NFL rookie draft. Isn't that crazy? Haven't had a chance to do a regular podcast episode in a little while. Uh, Last week, if you haven't seen it, please go check out the fake football fight. I released it, um, both audio and video, but I suggest you check out the YouTube video. Absolutely hilarious fake football fight between Neil of Clock Dodgers and also Josh Crocker, who you've seen on this channel many times, and he is a regular on Clock Dodgers as well. So those two guys had some, uh, let's just say they had some things to sort out and I gave them opportunity to come sort it out on my platform. You know, they don't need to be seen fighting on their own platform, right? Uh, but no, it was a great time to go ahead and check that out. Lots of great things going on. FusionFFB.com website. The Toilets to Titles guys are pumping out all kinds of content, getting a whole bunch of new uh, articles up there, new writers, all kinds of things. We've got on the YouTube, we've got also mock draft videos coming out. So just all kinds of stuff coming out, you guys. Be sure to check it out. And of course, I'm going to be looking to this next week getting my own rookie ranks finalized and getting the rookie vision tool updated with more pro day data. I do have some already done, but there's a little bit more I can put in there now. Uh, So just keep checking it out. Keep subscribing. And look, if you go to the website as well, you can go down and there's an option to sign up. And if you do that, you'll get a message every time, every time a new piece of content that would pop up on the, you know, the list there comes out, you'll get an alert saying, hey, there's a new article. Hey, there's a new podcast episode out. It's all automatic and it comes right to you so you don't miss it. Even better, go on to wherever you're listening to this and make sure you're subscribed there. I don't care if you listen, just download, write, all that good stuff. All right, guys, this episode, uh, a lot of people probably, who knows, we may go long with this one. I don't know. This might be a long one. And you're probably going to look at it and see that it's an hour long and be like, "Ah, I don't really, you know, want to watch. I don't want to listen to all that. Oh, well, whatever, because there's a bunch of things we got to go over. Now, I'm going to release, again, on the website, a photo, an image of my rookie running back landing spot matrix. That's right. Three years running, guys. I've done this. It has really helped get a objective, objective uh, perspective on all the team's landing spots before the NFL draft. And that is key because if I'm really looking at it closely now, and usually the misses are, I, I missed something obvious. I didn't think about something. I didn't realize that they had a hole and an opportunity on their roster for this or that kind of player or running back. Usually it was my mistake. I just did not look at it close enough. And there was an insight that I missed. But for everyone that I missed, there's a bunch that I catch. 
and I've been saying for years how this team or that team probably are going to be drafting somebody. Sometimes I'm right, and the team does. Sometimes I'm right, and the team definitely should have or needs to, but they did something else, so they tried to you know, slap a Band-Aid on it with a signing, free agent signing, and or, you know, th- that kind of thing. So, listen, it's a great tool because it's giving me an objective perspective now. It's it's not, I have a scoring matrix. Obviously, that's what I call it, this, this landing spot matrix, as a consistent scoring methodology. So it's it's kind of systematic and objective. It's still subjective in the sense that it's coming from me, but um, it's pretty pretty uh, consistent is what I want to say. So let's look at this year's, and this is where you should go to the website, fusionffb.com, pull it up, pull up the picture, take a look, because you'll want to see it. Or at fusionffb, I'm sure I'll have it out on the tweet. So the number one team, just to explain this a little bit first, I guess. Hey, I forget that it hasn't, you don't all know, because like I said, doing this a few years now, I divide it up into four scoring categories. The first is the depth available on the roster. So this doesn't mean that the team has a number one running back and nobody else. It doesn't mean that the team has tons of running backs, but none of them are good. What this is just saying is, look, what's on the team's signed roster right now? And is there room for more or not? And so the uh, the scoring I have here is a primary running back. If there is depth available for a primary running back, that's four points. For a backup, that's two. For a bench player, that's one. And sometimes I just say, no, none, zero. There's not any more room for a running back to be drafted on this team. The next category is role. And this actually gets to uh, how they'll be used, the style, maybe even physically the style of the running back that they need, that they could use. So an all-purpose back is obviously going to be your main guys and and those get three points the satellite backs they get two points because they do have the added points at least in ppr uh a grinder is just one point and basically a full back is zero because they're not really relevant then the third scoring category is usage potential and again this is subjective i i'm doing the research i'm looking into it but i still have to come to a conclusion and this is what i feel is um possible this is not necessarily likely but what the team could possibly need and sometimes we see situations where a team drafts um of a lesser player like a couple of years back when i first did this I, I saw right away the atlanta falcons needed a running back and i thought you know there's an opportunity for a starter here um they did not they they did not they tried to deal with what they had they signed old guys and they drafted ito smith or no ito smith was here before that they drafted quadre allison and i'm like okay well i figured they'd draft a guy but his draft capital just is not high so this 
goes this whole landing spot matrix by the way the score combines with the draft capital and it goes into a factor in my rankings however usage potential back to that right i say there's possibility of they could use a starter now again that doesn't mean the guy they draft in the sixth round is now going to be the starter no it just means there was usage potential for a starter that I don't think there's a guy there who has a lock on it. So that's six points. Sometimes then the next one's committee. They're just saying, look, yeah, there's room for opportunity, but it's it's probably not a situation. Sometimes it's because of coaching styles for whatever else. Committee, three points. Situational. This is just the guy who comes in every now and then for something. Third downs, maybe. That's just one point. And then if if it's going to take injury to actually get usage, it's a zero. Uh, then I added a modifier for how just good the offense is, right? You want an offense that's good, that's getting opportunities for touchdowns and so on. And so that ranges from great to bad, four to zero. And then we just add up the points. And it's actually as simple as that. And I mean, that sounds rudimentary, but by the time you go through it, if you follow the process for each team, you come out with a score. And sometimes that reveals something that you never really thought of or saw when you were looking at it a few steps back. But once you zoom in on each piece and then add it up, sometimes it reveals a team that needs some kind of running back help that you hadn't thought about before. So we'll get to some of those examples. But I know you want to know right at the top, of course, there's two teams this year. Absolutely the tall. They, they they have depth available for a primary all-purpose starter. And the offenses even uh they get three points. They're not fours, but they're threes. Okay. Number one and number two tied Pittsburgh Steelers, Atlanta Falcons. Let's talk about the Steelers. So James Conner's gone. We I figured actually the first time I did this, I kind of figured he was gone and I did not uh, I, I scored it accordingly. And then just earlier yesterday, confirmed Connor signed to the Cardinals. We'll get to that later. So Steelers, they need a running back because I'm sorry, Benny Snell's not going to cut it or McFarland. That's a joke. I'm sorry. So they need a running back. They right now, everyone's talking about how they're probably going to take Najee Harris. And I'm not going to dig into those details about where they are and where mocks and how that's all going to land, and if they should. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, I will say one of my best comps to Najee Harris was James Conner. It certainly seems like the kind of running back they would like makes sense. Okay, That would also work for the Falcons, though, because he's not that much different than Gurley. He's just, I don't think, as good. But he's a bigger back who can also catch. That's one thing Najee Harris has going for him for sure, even if late breakout and those kind of things aren't as impressive as I would like, he definitely has proved he can do it all. So the Falcons could definitely go after him. They need somebody too. Then we have New York Jets. And offense modifier is a one. It's not a zero because I do think Salah and the new system and a new rookie quarterback has potential. However, it's still not as good, but it's still a primary all-purpose starter. So it's the best it can be in the first three categories. 
Um, so while the Steelers and the Falcons got 16 points total, the Jets are at 14. And I don't know what they're going to do. I hope for their sake they don't invest a lot. Go after a couple of late guys. Right, build a build a stable of running backs, and maybe you'll land a James Robinson or something like that. So I could easily see them going after someone like a Trey Sermon, or something like that. Maybe they'll get adventurous or go after a Chuba Hubbard, you know. So we'll just have to see what kind of player, what kind of draft capital they're willing to invest. They've got a bunch of picks, so we'll see. Miami Dolphins are next. I have them down at twelve points, but that's because. Um, I'm rereading this. Yeah, uh, they are at 12 points because I don't think that whoever goes there is going to necessarily have uh, opportunity to be used as a full-time starter. It's going to be a committee. Now, he's a, a new rookie running back could absolutely vulture Miles Gaskin. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I don't think that that team and just the way those coaches work I don't think they're just going to hand off, you know, 60% plus of the work to some new rookie. And I don't think they're going to spend that much on a rookie either. So that's why I know some people I saw on Twitter today were really down on Miles Gaskin, comparing him to all the other running backs that we thought had good years and were going to do something. I get it. I get it. But specific to this situation and this player, especially since Gaskin is a little bit more of the receiving kind of capable style back. Um, I think he can hold on to a role in a committee there. Next up, the Arizona Cardinals. Now we talked about James Conner signing. Why are they still this high? Well, because let's be honest, both both James Conner and Chase Edmonds are getting older and they're not proven to be able to be reliable. We'll see if Eno Smith like even makes an appearance on the the active roster. I, I really hope he does. I kind of liked him as a bit of a sleeper. I was kind of saying, look, if they don't do something, the Cardinals, right, about a running back, then, you know, Man Benjamin kind of had the opportunity to kind of maybe slip in and surprise and be kind of like uh, the, the Miles Gaskin of 2021. But if they draft somebody less likely, and now that they signed Connor, that's even less likely. This is kind of a late round pick and could easily be a specialized satellite kind of role. I, I kind of debated about whether to give it the all-purpose or satellite um, role category here for the scoring. But I do think it is a good place for a running back. I just don't know if it's going to be good right away. So maybe this one should drop, but I still like it. Green Bay Packers are next. They need a bench guy. It should be a satellite guy, kind of replace that that Jamal Williams role, and it's the best case as a committee. Okay, This is only getting points because the offensive modifier here is three points. It's good, great offense, right? And because they need a satellite back. So that holds... That carries a little bit of weight. All right. The, I'll say right now, guys, you're you're wondering why these names are so high. It's because the, none of them are great. Like, other than the Steelers, the Falcons, the Jets, then it starts getting cloudy. Miami Dolphins, pretty decent. And then now with the Cardinals signing Connor, it's, it's all 
not good. The landing spots this year are down the board, down the whole line list here are low. And they're not great landing spots, which in some ways is fortunate because there's not a lot of top running backs in this class. However, that might mean they have to get drafted early. Last year, it felt like a lot of teams thought they could wait because they could because there was a bunch of good running backs. So why take them early? So we may even see some of these running backs drafted before running backs were drafted last year. And last year's class was so much better. So, so much better. But it's a matter of, you know, supply and demand. So, and that's exactly why Najee, uh, I guess it's Najee, like Najee, uh, Harris, Najee. Okay, so that's why Najee went back and didn't come out last year. And it probably was the right choice for him. Maybe it didn't work for other guys like Chuba. We'll see. So um, I'm going to go down through. I'm not just going to list and go over every single one, guys. I'm not. You can look at the the sheet that I'm going to put up on the website, FusionFFB.com. I'm going to talk about some ones that stand out here, right? So we talked about uh, the Packers. Then I got the, the Seahawks. They could still use somebody. Here's one that stands out to me. The Kansas City Chiefs. That's right. They need a backup satellite back okay and it could turn into a committee it absolutely could turn into a committee guys i think that clyde edwards is often being underrated but i also don't have hopes for the ceiling the the peaks uh that a lot of people do because i think you're gonna see kansas city drafting one of these guys in the fourth, fifth rounds, who are more of a receiving kind of back. So keep an eye out for that one. That's an interesting one. Um, the bills are higher up here than probably a lot of people think, but that's because, and it's not a running back friendly situation at all. And I don't really think that Zach Moss and Devin Singletary are all that good. Been very vocal about that. Uh, but I do think a good running back going to this team could actually do well. And I think that that offense is going to regress or fall back from being so pass happy. I think that was a side effect of the COVID year and defenses, um, digs being new there, all, all kinds of things. I don't know if they can keep up that volume of passing attack. Uh, at least not as successfully. They might regress a little bit back into a running game if they actually had good running backs. And this, again, contributes to their 2020. I think they had to throw the ball because their running backs were no good. Simple as that. All right, some other um, surprises here. The Bengals, I, sh I should possibly move them up. I'm not sure I really... I have in a note here, Geo gone. Uh, that was more of a prediction than anything, and now we know for sure he is. Uh, and I know for sure Tampa Bay is down near the end of this list already. Uh, they're going to be even further back now that Geo signed there. So anyway, back to the Bengals. Uh, I really do think they could draft somebody, not a replacement for Mixon, but maybe a replacement for Geo. So that is a prime spot for a satellite, a backup satellite. 
and maybe I have it situational. Maybe it should be logged as a committee back situation. The Bears are next. Yeah, they need a new Cohen, I think. So there's a lot of places for satellite backs this year. A lot of these main starter roles are taken. It's just not a great year for landing spots for rookie running backs, at least not the the big guys, the starter kind of caliber players. Again, Titans, they need a satellite guy. They already got Derrick Henry and so on. It just keeps on going. Some surprises here. Uh, I do think that the Saints are an interesting one to keep an eye on, and they don't need a satellite. They need a grinder because we'll see what happens with Latavius Murray, but they they possibly want somebody else in that room. They just need depth, basically. That's it. They just need depth. All right, what else have we got here? Uh, I'm going to go down to the Texans, an interesting place it's very full there. There's a, That's one of the few places I said none for depth available. But um, as far as Dynasty goes, this is an interesting place for somebody to land. And even, hey, even Philip Lindsay, I tried, I think, I, yeah, I did trade for him in one league as kind of an add-on into a trade. Because look, David Johnson, Mark Ingram, these aren't young guys. They can get injured. Even just going into next season, uh, Lindsay or maybe a new guy could be the guy. And so this is a fourth, fifth round running back that went to the Texans kind of idea. All right. This is a stash. Uh, to keep going down the Buccaneers, like I said, I actually need to change that. They're going to move even further down the list. Uh, not a lot of other major insights here. Go ahead and check out. I'll, I'll post the whole thing. Uh, mostly what I wanted to talk about, uh, I've already talked about, and I don't think I don't think it's a great year. Like I said, for landing spots for rookies, it's just something to keep in mind. I keep mentioning. Plus, I don't think the class is as strong and as talented as a lot of people were saying going in. A lot of these running backs don't don't measure up when you compare them to the running back three, four, five in past classes. This is a 2018 kind of, uh, where is it, 19? 2019 kind of rookie class where you had Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, and David Montgomery. And that's very similar, I think, what we're looking at here. Three top guys that are all decent, have questions, um, Miles Sanders was a better prospect than all of these guys, I think. But Najee Harris maybe is comparable. All right, guys, that's it for landing spots. Uh, if you've been on my time on Twitter at FusionFFB, you know there was a bunch of talk about Kyle Pitts. Uh, I made a rather inflammatory like midnight Twitter post about Kadarius Toney and Kyle Pitts, who played on the same team at Florida in college. And I was just wondering why why Kyle Pitts didn't dominate more. Unfortunately, I said that Kadarius Tony outproduced him, and that's because I was using yards per team pass attempt and I was not uh adjusting the games properly. I had a game in there in the mix uh against LSU, I believe it was, where 
Tony went off for like 180 something yards. There was 45 or something like that uh, pass attempts made in that game. And I was still including that in the mix and it, even for Kyle Pitts. Uh, and so his yards per team pass attempt was coming out to around 2.1. And Tony's was around 2.3. And uh, I was just wondering why, if Pitts is supposed to be so amazing, it wasn't higher when other tight ends that have gone on to do well their first year right away in the NFL, which is what Kyle Pitts will have to do to be worth the draft capital people are talking about giving him, right? I wondered why he wasn't higher. So, for example, like Gronkowski is up at 2.3 on his sophomore season, okay? he's just takes over. And that was against uh, Mike Thomas, not Michael Thomas, the earlier 2010 Mike Thomas. Um, so he, he was playing against a good receiver who dominated the year before when he was a freshman, and then Gronk comes in as a sophomore, comes back, and he dominates. He takes all the touchdowns away from Mike Thomas, and he has a 2.3 yards per team pass attempt, which is a great stat to use for rookie tight ends, by the way. If you look it up, R squared, what counts, what correlates to years one through three, rookie uh, one through three NFL production, yards per team pass attempt, is is my go-to single stat, at least, for tight ends. Um, at wide receiver, there's other stats that are as good, maybe even better. Uh, and it's not necessarily... The, the correlation itself isn't going up for tight ends. It's just that there's nothing else that is there that's nearly as predict predictive. Um, the, the R squared is nearly the same, the same 2.24 or something like that as it is for wide receivers. Uh, but tight ends don't have the other factors that have as high a predictiveness as wide receivers do. When you look at the tight ends, all those other ones kind of disappear. And at the top of the list is all kinds of different yards per team pass attempts. So they should have a high one. Like I said, Gronk, Aaron Hernandez was up in the 2.2 uh, or, or higher, 2.3. Even guys like Hunter Henry, Evan Engram, they were all in that 2. Point. Evan Engram was the guy I was kind of comparing pitch to, not physically, not, and I, I got criticized by for, for that from a bunch of people. Lots of, you know, really, really nice, kind, thoughtful responses on Twitter. <laughs> Some ones that made me laugh. Um, because they like they assumed I just looked at the box score and I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't do any research, and that's okay. And I had I had an error in my data, which was I had to correct. And some guys commented um, uh, with actual data, saying, "Well, this is yards per games and so on in games they were together," and some of the things didn't quite look right. They weren't the exact same stats I was using. Like I said, none of them had yards per team pass attempt, and that is my primary one I was looking at. But some things didn't quite look right in the yards per game and, and things like that, so receptions per game. So I went back and double-checked it, and that's when I discovered it. And so I, I, I issued a correction, and uh, I, I still would like to have seen him do a little bit more, but 
without having to adjust it because you have to, I hate having to adjust per game or per the games they played. It just gets sticky. Um, but if you do, Pitts has a 2.5, which is really good and puts him up into that elite level. I did it all for these other guys. The, the numbers I gave earlier were also adjusted, I should say. So to be consistent, I adjusted all of them. Um, if you go and look at Gronk's total season uh, numbers as a sophomore, you're not going to see in most databases the 2.3, I said, because most databases are not going to only look at the games in which he played. And I did to be consistent. I also looked at the main wide receiver competition and did theirs and same thing and just the ones that they played together. Okay, so it was completely consistent. It was very small sample size, but a consistent methodology. And uh, yeah, that's the one thing I can find that's consistent. Year one tight end producers, there's not a lot of them. No, there, there really aren't. Um, but the one thing that seemed to be consistent was that they dominated. They were the best receiving option on their college team. Um, and it didn't matter if there was another good wide receiver there. Didn't matter because this guy was the boss. Now, for Evan Ingram, that was mixed. He did it his sophomore year. Fantastic production. Um, and then his soft, his junior year, he lost out to Laquan Treadler. Laquan Treadwell's great uh, junior season. And everyone thought Laquan Treadwell was great. And then he went to the NFL, and he wasn't. But hey, he was good in college. But then Evan Ingram went back for his senior year, and he was absolutely the top. Um, funny thing to note there, Van Jefferson was on that team with Evan Ingram and got beat out. Then Van Jefferson looked around, realized he could not compete with the, the A.J. Browns and D.K. Metcalfs coming up, and he, he got out of there. And then he went over to Florida, and now he's playing with Kyle Pitts uh, his senior year and Kyle Pitts' sophomore year. And that's actually one of the season I was looking at. I was like, well, why isn't Kyle Pitts dominating Van Jefferson more? Um, but it was a sophomore to a senior you want to see the jump, and he did, he made the jump a little bit, but again, Kadarius Tony, who hadn't done anything before, and that's a bunch a bunch of people kept bringing this up about like, well, he's a senior, and or Kadarius Tony isn't even good, and I was like, guys, th those are points towards towards my position, my side of the argument. I don't know why you're bringing him up, but that's kind of part of my point. Kadarius Tony wasn't great before; suddenly he's putting up a two point one, two point two yards per team pass attempt. Um in the games played with Kyle Pitts. And yes, Kyle Pitts is up at 2.5. So while I don't think I would be taking Kyle Pitts early in Dynasty Rookie drafts, um, I do think he is a really good prospect. So I want to make sure that's clear, make sure everyone knows. If you hear me talking about Kyle Pitts, it sounds like I'm talking bad about him. I'm not talking bad about him. I just don't think... It's wise to take him as early as people are saying you have to take him. And here's why. Because right now, you look at a let's you look at a trade calculator and look, I know how trade calculators I know how that goes. But you look at a trade calculator that even adjusts for tight end premiums, and Darren Waller is still like the 1.03 equivalent. 
which makes sense when the 1.03 is going to be a quarterback and starting quarterbacks. And, and this, again, super flex, tight end premium, super flex, you know, quarterbacks are a big deal. You really need them. And so the thing that you want to wonder about is, is if Darren Waller is already as good as he is, I mean, he'd be my bet. He, he's going to be in the top three again, right? As good as he was, I mean, isn't that Kyle Pitts' like ceiling? Are, are we really saying he's going to be Travis Kelsey' ceiling? That's a lot to ask. To me, having Kyle Pitts involved in the passing game to the extent of a Darren Waller and being nearly the the wide receiver one for the team, basically, like that is that does fit for Kyle Pitts. That's what people have been saying that he's actually a wide receiver. Um, so that's what I'm looking at. And I realize that, well, that's the one Oh three. So if you're telling me I have to spend the one Oh three on Kyle Pitts and that's where he's going, he's going anywhere from one overall to the sixth, seventh, eighth pick. And the eighth pick is the earliest I would possibly consider him because listen, if, if Jamar chase, who really good receiver, if he came if he does anything, he's gonna be worth that again. Okay. All he needs to do is have a decent season. And you're not gonna be able to sell him for next year's wide receiver one. You're not going to be. Go ahead and try and sell CD Lamb or Justin Jefferson. It's I hate to use Justin Jefferson because he just had an amazing historic rookie season. So it's that's a pretty hard sell. But think back to A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf kind of rookie seasons, right? You're not selling that for the pick just so you can get the next year's number one rookie. No, because your your rookie wide receiver has already done it. They've already proved they could be what you hoped they would be. Why would you throw away the actual for the possible the only time you you trade away the actual for the possible is when the possibles add up to be enough to maybe be worth it with either a better player or with multiple good players, right? That's the only time you throw away an actual realized prospect that actually is shown to be good in the NFL. And so we don't know if Kyle Pitts has done that. We know that Darren Waller has. We know TJ Hawkinson has. And his value is somewhere right between those two guys. Right now, already, and that is crazy because Kyle Pitts has to reduce year one. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, that's okay. I'm buying him, and, and I know he might have to wait a year. Why? Why does he have to wait a year, and why are you willing to wait a year? Just get Jamar Chase or Najee Harris, and those guys are going to at least hold their value or or be worth even more. If Look, if Najee Harris hits right? He's going to be worth a couple firsts. Now, maybe not a top first, but like a fourth and a and a ninth. That's what guys will give away for for your your Swift or definitely your Jonathan Taylor, but I, I, he's on a whole different tier, I think. So look, I just, that's, that's the problem with drafting the quarterback so early is compare it to the return on investment, return on draft capital, for the other players at other positions. And then ask yourself, 
and this is what I knew people would criticize with my research I was talking about before with, and I admitted it, it's a small sample. But that's because there's a small sample of tight ends that have done it. And all I'm saying is there's a lot more wide receivers and running backs that have, we know this, much higher hit rate, year one hit rate on those wide receivers and running backs than tight ends. And so if, if someone's going to criticize my small sample, my response is, well, show me the sample of tight ends that were hyped up as being worth a top six, and I'm even being generous here, top six. People are talking about Pitt's top four, okay? Top six pick that they were saying was worth it. Find me that tight end. Find me those tight ends. And then of those tight ends, find me the ones that actually were worth it year one. I'll tell you how big that sample size is. It's zero. Zero. 